Coming up, today's guest built a humongous business teaching people how to code, and he shares how he stumbled upon this business by listening to the market. Also, listen to how he's cleverly using Kickstarter as part of his launch strategy, how he finds licensing deals, and how creating more content continues to help him grow his business. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Adjust gives you the tools you need for end-to-end app analysis. Not just the macro level stuff, but the micro details. You can identify, dissect, and leverage data trends. Just go to adjust.com slash app masters. AppRadar helps you accelerate your mobile growth through their simple ASO platform, and they set up optimized Apple search ads to help you scale up your user acquisition. Check them out at AppRadar.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com. You know, the podcast, the YouTube channel, the blog that you go when you want action-packed content in the app business. And I talk to amazing guests who share their story so that we can all collectively learn and grow together. And today, I've got a phenomenal guest. His name is John Burra. He is the CEO of Mammoth Interactive, which began in 2008 when he made a bunch of games. And in 2010, fans wanted to learn how to make games. So he started doing that. We're going to hear all that story. But without further ado, let me introduce John. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. So John, quickly, what is Mammoth Interactive? Well, uh, Mammoth Interactive, uh, like you said, was started in 2008, and you know it's it's gone through a few iterations. But most people know of Mammoth Interactive for creating really uh, cutting edge coding courses. Uh, that's been the bread and butter ever since 2011. But I didn't arrive at that um, at that. Uh, type of business. Um, I had to meander my way through a lot of different other businesses, just like a lot of other companies do. Um, So I graduated in 2008, and it was very difficult to find a job. So I started to freelance. And um, it was around 2010 where I wanted to make an Xbox 360 game. So what I did is I purchased an online course, and I came up with an Xbox 360 game. I got a bunch of freelancing gigs. And then a year later, I started to make probably about 40 uh, iPhone games. Uh, and, and from that, um, I would, I was always asking, you know, telling about my games, like, Hey, I just made this game. And literally everyone that I showed my game to, they said, how do you do that? How do you make that game? How do you make that app? And it it was for, for about four months, literally that's what everybody asked me to do. Uh, and then, and then I said, wait a minute, well, why don't I just make a course on how to make games and how to make apps. And from there it's all history. That's awesome, man. You said it went to different, well, here, for the listener out there, I do want to talk about what's working for John today, but I want to get into this a little bit while we're on the topic. You said you went through a couple of different iterations. What were those iterations? Do you remember? Uh, yeah. So um, at, at the beginning, I actually, um, uh, when, in 2008, I actually had this algorithm that would generate um, video game music on the fly, uh, depending on what kind of the game was doing. So this was, you know, imagine if you're like a racing game or whatever, and you know, you would go through different places, and it would compose music for you on the spot. And I tried, I tried this in 2000. 
tough year to start a business in retrospect. And and basically no one bought it. So instead of just doing just kind of um, some uh, just a random uh, a coding project, I decided to make full on games. And from there, you know, I, I would pick up like a level design contract, uh, you know, like an audio contract here and there, and then maybe a few programming contracts. And in the while I was still producing the games. And I was really th thought that I would be some kind of uh, video game content creator. Uh, but in the end, um, what happened was is that everyone loved courses that I, I was making. They were extremely comprehensive even back then. You know, you the, most of the courses, if you don't know Mammoth Interactive's courses, we take you from knowing nothing to having like a game or an app on the App Store. Uh, and that's pretty much, that was the focus from day one. And, you know, and that seemed to really resonate with people. So, you know, for those of you out there who are starting a business, if someone's asking you to do something or if someone says, hey, I'd love to buy that, if you just do a, a slight pivot, Sometimes there's amazing success if you just take two steps to the left. You know what, John? I, I try to do something different where when I was first starting at Masters, I was like thinking that it was going to be more courses type of stuff on like catalog. And then I went through the same thing. Like people just kept asking me, like, how do you do this? Can you, can I just hire you to do this? And for me, I was just like, you know what? This thing isn't working as well as I thought these courses type of stuff. So let me just help people. And then that's how it started. So you're, you're absolutely right. You just have to listen to the market sometimes. It's not about like what you think the market needs. Sometimes the market is just telling you what they want from you. Absolutely. And it'll be different for every person too. You know, some people will just be in the right spot at the right time for a specific um, opportunity. And that might be completely different. For me, it was these coding courses. I was in the right spot at the right time and people loved what I was doing and they still love doing it. We've actually sold over 700,000 courses uh, since 2011. So, so it was a good pivot in the end. That's awesome, man. Congrats to you. Okay. So you did say, and I want to get to learn more about how you started it, how you grew it, a little bit more, but what's you said finding licensing deals is working really well for you. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so um, we have we're, since we've been around for so long, and we have a pretty advanced catalog. In fact, considering you know we're a bootstrap business, and we have like really in like very good courses. Uh, for example, we just released a course called the Wall Street Coder, and this shows pretty much anyone how to start coding in Python, doing machine learning and making uh, neural networks, et cetera, and then using that knowledge to algorithmically trade stocks and make money. So this is a, a course that like some some billion dollar, uh, some companies that are worth a billion dollars don't even have uh, in, in their uh, course uh, rep repertoire. So you know, we we compete head on with these big companies, and you know, a lot of people see our content because we post pretty much everywhere, and they say, "Hey, how much would it be to license this to my business?" Or, you know, my college is looking for some some courses on this. We'd love to add it to our library. And a lot of the stuff has has been organic. And for me, that what's worked is that if you constantly produce more content and you have a, a sales stream where people can kind of go and interact and see what you're doing and who are fans of you, you'll definitely see more success um, uh, as, as a result of this. Nice. And when you talk about content, like for me, it's about YouTube and podcasting. What, 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 do, you, what do you mean by content when, you, when it's working well for you? 
Uh, so, so what we do is we produce courses, and we just do a. Believe it or not, our sales stream is actually really simple. It's uh, we give courses away for free, and then we market those. Um, we market those free emails, uh, the emails we get from the free courses, uh, to our products. And you know, it's it's a it's an opt-in process, and people who usually uh, come in. Uh, to to our free course, end up buying something sometime later, and they they end up making games. We have a whole bunch of students who've made a ton of really awesome games and apps, and we feature them too, and we feature them all over Twitter. And you know, just just by producing things and making a few things free and shareable, uh, we've found a lot of success in that. Uh, you can go to um, mammothinteractive.com um, and you can find some freebies. Occasionally, you can follow us at Mammoth Company on Twitter. Awesome. So you just kind of promote it or are there, are there places where we can learn for free on Mammoth Interactive? So usually we have a few free courses just to get you started. But after that, we, uh, we have some very good deals on some bigger courses. So usually the free courses are, you know, kind of like, you know, learn, learn JavaScript in an hour. And this is, you know, whether this goes to show people, you know, do they like the product? And if you're looking for a uh, those listeners out there, if you're looking for really good, when you do this free, if you give something away for free, make sure it's useful. Because sometimes I look at other people's free stuff and they try to do what, what I'm doing, and the content is is not very good. You know, if you put together a 30 minute or an hour free course or like a really good ebook that has you know some genuine knowledge that people want, they'll come back and buy more. Uh, you with this kind of strategy, it's more about the long game and and fostering more of a relationship with with people. And you know sometimes people they'll come into my free course in 2013 and they might go three years without buying a product and then two years later they buy like a hundred two hundred dollar product for me. So it so it, it comes and goes and you just basically if you make your free content shareable, if you give some kind of incentive to share it, uh, then 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 it will, it will help you out. Well, John, I got to ask, how are you making your content shareable? Uh, so uh, sometimes uh, we have contests. You know, we'll say, hey, if you share it and you get the most uh, the most shares on Twitter, we'll give you uh, some cash prizes or we'll give you um, uh, a um, – Live to all of our content, so we we make that we make that shareable uh, make that shareable. So if someone let's say gets you know um, they do this and they get you know a hundred people to sign up, it's definitely worth the fifty dollars in my opinion. Let me talk about this. Like, how have you done? What have you done to get people into that free course? Are you doing any type of marketing? I, I frankly, this is just me learning from you. Oh yeah, you know. So so the thing is, is my my sales strategy is a little bit different. We continually to put courses onto marketplaces and you know we have a pretty robust um we just continue to put courses out there and then eventually these people kind of wind their way back to our site and um and then they they sign up for the free course or they somehow see our course somewhere and then they come back to our site uh it's it's basic. A lot of it is pretty much organic. So the way that I make money is I continue to produce really good courses. I also do a lot of kickstarters too. That's really important. I should mention that. That's interesting. And then kickstarters are just leveraging your audience already and saying, "Hey, I want to launch this new course. Will you guys sort of is it like a pre order type of thing just to see yeah. the market for this?" Um, yeah. So uh, kickstarters. Um, 
uh, one of the things that we do, and a lot of other industries uh, they do as well, is they they often have some kind of pre-order, and we find that that's a really good litmus test. And not only that, when you put your project up on Kickstarter, people will go to your website. And what we've actually done, and here's a, a good tip for the listeners too, is if you put your free product on your Kickstarter once it ends, like at the top, uh, that will get you a lot of free uh, emails. Because remember, people are constantly going to Kickstarter. And Kickstarter is a, a kind of an interesting thing. Hey, I've got this really cool idea. Some giving money, and I guess I'll get it out there. But what people quickly realized is it's really difficult to, to get from idea to actually finished product. And now uh, Kickstarter, uh, for the most part, is used as as pre-orders just to kind of test ideas. And you know, we have and we basically put almost all of our projects on Kickstarter first. And if you go to our, our Kickstarter page, uh, you'll actually see that we, since we have all these other projects, we start to make more and more money. And what we've also found out is that sometimes if someone wanted a higher reward and they missed out on it, if you do one you know, two months later, they'll, they'll buy that reward too. So uh, it's a pretty standard thing in the industry now where, uh, where people uh, or companies start to do pre-orders and they do some kind of market research right off the bat. And, and actually the best part is that Kickstarter, there's a no strings attached clause as long as you get it out there. So you get most of the money and you can get to fund the project. So I love the fact that Kickstarter is doing what it's doing. And, um, you know, it's an integral part of my business, which I didn't even think would be a part, a big part of my business, you know, starting back in 2008 because crowdfunding didn't exist. And now it's a huge part of my business. That's brilliant. That's brilliant, John. The, are you, so have there been Kickstarters that like have for you have been very beneficial, but may not have gotten funded? Um, yeah. So one of the things that I constantly got asked for was, you know, how do you make, how do you make so much money, um, with, with your business? And, and we actually got a lot of people saying they requested that course and we put it up on Kickstarter and it didn't do very well on Kickstarter, but you know what, uh, going back to the licensing thing earlier, I know that a lot of businesses are going to take that course. So sometimes, you know, um, a certain crowd might not like uh, what you've done, but it might end up making money later on. And I've had several products like that where I've, where I thought that it would be amazing and it fell flat in its face. And I've actually released products that I thought were like, eh, I should probably not even be releasing this. And it did really well. So sometimes, um, you know, the, you, you, uh, sometimes you have to kind of just keep going forward and there might be some bumps along the way, but eventually you'll, you'll get to where you need to go. John, before we, before we continue, I want to thank my first sponsor, adjust.com. Look, if you guys want to check them out, it is adjust slash app masters. So do me a favor and use that link so I can get a little bit of love from them. But if you're looking for an analytics and attribution tool, an all-in-one suite, unlike other tools where you might have to do one tool for attribution, another tool for analytics, Adjust combines it all. They got some amazing, amazing brands using them from Yelp to Spotify. And what they try to do is give you the intelligence that you need to one, really lower your ROAS, right? Return on ad spend. And secondly, how do you increase that retention? What are some features that people are going to really love and want to come back in? Because I love this quote from the Crossy Road creator when he was on the podcast. He said, look, I didn't worry about how to make money. I knew if I could keep users coming back, I'll figure out a way. And that's the best way to think about really succeeding in the app business. Look, John's going to teach you how to make it. 
I'm going to teach you that with it just, you can use, you can leverage ads. You can figure out what people are loving within your game or within your new wall street app, whatever you decide to create based on John's courses, you can use adjust to really analyze the data and figure out what's really working for you. So once again, go check out adjust.com and put that slash app masters. So I get a little bit of love from it. Once again, adjust.com slash app masters. All right, John, that Kickstarter strategy. I love it so much. Like, so are you promoting when you put a Kickstarter up, are you promoting it to your list as well? Yeah. So uh, essentially most of what my business does revolves around an email list and that email list is crucial uh, to generating more sales. And you have to treat that email list. If, if you, if you do this and you ever get success uh, full or a big, big email list, you have to be, you have to treat those people with as much respect as possible. And, you know, we try to not email too, too much for what, what we do, but we know that um, our audience likes a certain amount of promotion and you know, for every customer that we get, uh, we we find that there is, is some kind of retention. And with the particular product that I have, you know, like like I mentioned, someone might uh, come in in 2012, 2013, and then they'll wait a few years, and then they'll they'll buy another product again. You know, we've been around for for quite a while. So as a result. Um, you know, the more products you produce, uh, the more visibility you have, right? And, you know, the more Kickstarters you do, because a lot of people go to Kickstarter, it's like kind of free advertising. And on top of that, we actually, there's some people that actually don't uh, complete their Kickstarters uh, on time, uh, but we try to do that and on time literally every single time. And there's only been a couple ones. Uh, and they were really, really big projects. Uh, for example, we made a, a course that teaches uh, people how to make a game like Fortnite from scratch. That one took a little bit. Uh, it took, I think, it took a month extra just because it was so big. And um, you know, and people know that hey, if they're going to buy a mammoth or they're going to put their money into a mammoth uh, for a Kickstarter, they're going to they're going to get their product on time. Is there any type of level in terms of goal that you found to be the best? one to set, especially because, you know, for me, John, like this is the first time I'm hearing that people are using Kickstarter for a digital product, not necessarily a physical product. So it's like, whoa, I had like an eye opener. This is brilliant. But like, what have you found to, in terms of like having a good goal in place that's really going to get this Kickstarter to be successful? Uh, so like the, the funding goal. Yeah. So there's, there's a, I could talk about Kickstarter all day, but you know, for, for, generally you want your funding goal to be as low as possible. Um, you know, you want to, you want to have it just so that, uh, because the way the Kickstarter algorithm works is that as soon as you hit your goal, you get bumped up. So if, if you find a way to make your goal as small as humanly possible without being ridiculous, like two dollars or something right uh, you know as soon as you do that um as soon as you do that uh you, you will get more sales than if you put it like let's say you generate ten thousand dollars in kickstarter revenue uh you'll have an easier time if your goal was a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars right uh, you'll just have an easier time generating money yeah that's awesome man i really love this man i'll, I'll bring you back and we can talk about all kickstarter how about that <laughs> perfect that would be I'd, I'd love to do it okay so Besides Kickstarter and some of the tactics that you've shared with creating more content, creating great content, giving away some of the things, is there anything else that like you've used to grow your business? Um, so I, this might be a good time to talk about some of the things that I've, I've, uh, I've completely failed at failed at actually, okay. uh, just because, um, you know, uh, my business is, is, is surprisingly simple. And, um, you know, one of the things I like to tell young 
entrepreneurs and starting entrepreneurs is that you want to make your business as simple as possible. Um, you know, if it's really complicated, it's going to be a headache for you in one way or another. But one of the things that I haven't done is I haven't actually uh, been able to make Facebook ads really work. And I've spent probably more money than I'd like to admit on, on some Facebook ads. And um, if you do, and some people are really good at it. And you know, if you can make money with Facebook ads, then then you're going to have a job for life or, or uh, Google ads or, or whatever. And, um, and if you are going to do Facebook ads, because people do this every day, um, is I would to try with a little bit of money and to test the market out first and only double down on what's working. The way that I did it is like, you know, I had a really good, uh, I actually had a really good Kickstarter and I had some money, extra money, which is also another uh, kind of pitfall you don't want to fall into. If you ever have like a lot of success, you kind of want to save as much money as possible like you were before. Um, you don't want to spend all that money. But basically I spent more money than I should have and, you know, it was it was a huge learning experience for me. What were you doing? Was it just like just ads in terms of like, can you give me specifics on what may what you think may not have worked or like what was going on? I, I was basically spending too much money to test the market is is really what it came down to. So, uh, you know, if I were to go back and, and do that, uh, I would do smaller amounts and test and test more markets too. The other thing about Facebook ads is that, you know, they change like what you can target and and how they work change on a fairly regular basis. So you should probably do maybe two weeks of research on Facebook ads before you even actually spend any money on it. Because you know, even if you do this like six months uh, six months prior, you might be in a whole a completely different ecosystem uh, that might have worked six months ago that might not work today. So before you do and spend money on advertising, take two weeks just to figure out if it's the best bang for your buck. With advertising, you want to be very very careful with the money that you spend to get the best ROI. That's the big lesson that I learned. You know, John, as someone who creates a lot of content, you and me both, like, how do you figure out what's next? Like what new course to create? So, so for me, uh, since I'm, I'm a very stereotypical entrepreneur, I have way too many ideas, not enough time. And, you know, one of the hardest things for me was to actually get things done in the first place. And I spent my early 20s just with a ton of abandoned projects. You know, <laughs> my hard drive was full of just abandoned projects. So I have a list. So every time I'm doing a project, I probably have like three more ideas for the next project. And so I write them all down. And one thing that you can do, and I, I, this is actually something I really recommend, is if you have like a notes app on your Mac or, you know, some kind of Google document or something to write down all of your ideas, I would really recommend doing that just because, um, You'll come back to you, those ideas and you might say, hey, that was a really good idea. Why haven't I done that? Or you can see two or three ideas morph into this new idea. Uh, when I first moved out of my parents' home, I had my whole wall of my apartment with sticky notes of just ideas, right? And, <laughs> and so, you know, and then later on, I just moved it to the cloud because it was just easier. But, but essentially, you want to keep as many ideas as possible and you do want to have brainstorming sessions. New ideas for me come really easily. Uh, and I understand that not everybody has that. So you always want to be just kind of brainstorming. And if you're one of those people that, um, you know, shoots down ideas too quickly, just remember that when you're brainstorming, there's almost no such thing as a bad idea. Do you ever like get so disciplined where you're like, all right, this time 
we're gonna okay for me here let me use an example like john like i a good friend of mine he's nearby i'm like hey let's let's be on each other's board and i put that in quotes right like we're gonna meet every month we're gonna talk about our numbers we're, we trust each other so that we won't share any of these numbers but we're gonna try to be each other's board because as entrepreneurs and founders we're pretty much by ourselves right like do you how do you sort of like make time to then think about the business rather than always just walking on it i mean working on it yeah. So, so the thing is, I'm always thinking about the business, which, you know, if it's a weekend or 11 o'clock at night on, on a Sunday, it's, it's always, it's, oh, I'm always thinking about it. And I have the problem of taking time off. Um, so, so <laughs> that, that, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good problem. Well, it's a, it's an issue because you know what, you should take time off because sometimes I say, you know what, I'm not thinking about the business this whole weekend. And then I come back and I'm completely refreshed. I see. But, but you know what, so my business is again, a little bit more advanced. So, you know, I do have, um, the hardest thing actually for my business was, you know, it used to be just me and I did everything, the video editing, the course creation, like everything. And then I slowly moved that over to about, um, five people, believe it or not. So, um, yeah, so, so those uh, people get to do the rest of the work that I would be done. And even today, um, I could probably split that into another five people. Um, y- you know, like the, the employees that I have are really awesome and they do a really good job. And so I have a little bit more time in the day now to kind of strategize and I do that. And, um, and believe it or not, uh, <laughs> so it, it's always good to talk about, uh, you know, what you've done well and what you've not done well. But one of the things is you can also over strategize. And this is a huge trap that everyone, it doesn't matter what level of business you're at. You can be just starting out or you could be, you know, a big tech company. It's possible to over strategize. So there's really a mix between producing the content at a regular basis and then kind of strategizing for the next. And you kind of have to evaluate, you know, did, was the last project a good strategy? Yes or no or eh, kind of. And then you have to kind of figure out what the uh, best, uh, best way to go is uh, from there. I love it, man. All right. Is there anything that I missed that you want to make sure we cover? Um, This was a really good podcast. I think we covered a lot of things, (laughs) unless you have any more questions. No, this was great, man. I thought like this was so great. You have so much content. So if you guys are interested in learning about anything, really, when it comes to coding, like John's got it on his website, check out mammothinteractive.com. But John, before we hit the big finish, I got a few more questions I want to ask you. I'm going to thank my last sponsor and they are appradar.com. Look, I just created a video on by the time you guys hear this a couple of months ago about app radar and why it is one of the best free ASO tools out there. Cause a lot of the paid ones out there, they're going to give you all the data that app radar gives you and they give it for free. So you can just connect your iTunes, Google play account, add the keywords that you want to target. And then they're going to give you all that data that you would normally have to pay for. They're going to give you the traffic score. They're going to give you the competition and they're going to track it. And one thing that I've been using them a lot for is just pretty much what app Annie does and gives you all that data in terms of downloads and all that stuff. Well, I have that within app radar so I can see my keyword rankings. I can see the downloads for the previous seven days. I can sort of monitor, Hey, what happened? These are these keywords going up based on my latest change, things like that. And so it is an awesome, awesome free tool. Check them out. It is appradar.com. Let them know you heard it from this podcast, but just go sign up for that free account. Trust me, you won't regret it. Once again, it is appradar.com. John, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. Give us one app we definitely have to check out. 
<laughs> so uh, the latest app that I uh, discovered is the the ri- any ride sharing app I love. Uh, I don't actually even own a car. In fact, you know when I moved across the country, um, I got rid of my car and I just use Car to Go, and it's uh, awesome. If you don't if you don't know what Car to Go is, it's uh, basically a ride sharing app where you can just pick up a car here and there. But the the latest app that I love is called Turo, where you can just yeah. uh, it's kind of like Air Airbnb and car to go where you can just basically rent someone's car. So if you want to buy a Tesla, you can just rent a Tesla on Turo and it's awesome. I absolutely love that app. So that's my new favorite app. You got me thinking, cause I'm trying to, I'm, I'm in the mindset of just downsizing. I'm like, I got to downsize everything. Like I don't want anything anymore. And when you put that in the questionnaire, I was like, yeah, that's a good idea, John. <laughs> like, <I don't> <laughs> What's a lesson that took you the longest to learn? Um, is to, you know, once you, once you get some success, because, you know, a lot of people, including myself, they'll, they'll try hard. And, you know, once you get the success, you have to always think about when you first started your business and you have to uh, grind it again and again. And this happens to entrepreneurs at all levels, even billionaires where, you know, they, they forgot about what they fell in love with in the first place. And that was building a business from scratch. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, and, everyone will talk about this. I see this. I read a lot of autobiographies and everyone talks about this. So just remember, if you get success, you have to think about, um, you have to, you have to grind just as hard. You might take a vacation and, and, uh, and get refreshed, but you got to work just as hard. What's the latest biography, autobiography that you read that you loved? Um, you know, it's mostly just uh, snippets here and there, but, um, uh, I, I can't really uh, place that to you, but yeah, but I, but you know, basically everyone, um, everyone from, uh, from Bill Gates to pretty much anyone, you know, they'll have a time where they had, they, they forgot about it. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's a common theme. It doesn't matter which biography you read. Everyone one, will have it. One book that I love is the called the, the hard things about hard things. And it's by Ben Horowitz, I believe. And he runs that big VC firm out in Silicon Valley Horowitz and Andrew, I'm going to butcher it, but anyways, it was really good. Like this guy, you know, work with billions i'm like mm, okay i think i can manage so i love it too man i'm a big audio autobiography i'll be like comedians anybody because i can just learn bits and pieces from each type of like industry and obviously business ones as well absolutely i see that's a really good idea because sometimes um when when you're in a specific field um the ideas tend to circulate but when the real innovation happens when you take something from somewhere else yeah uh, so in, in engineering, uh, it's uh, the new latest uh, trendy word is biomimicry. So uh, you can take a car or a train and then implement something from nature. Um, for example, like bird beaks. Um, if you ever took a Shikasen train uh, in Japan, they used to make these booming noises. And then uh, the designer... Uh, implemented this bird beak type design, and they didn't make that booming noise anymore. So um, whenever you whenever you cross pollinate ideas, real innovation happens. So that's a really good idea. I love it, John. Well, the website website once again is mammothinteractive.com. John, if you want to learn anything, actually, to the listeners out there, if you want to learn anything about coding, once again, it is mammothinteractive.com. John, if the listeners want to connect with you personally, you want to send any want to send them anywhere else. Uh, sure. I just started a new YouTube channel called Buratech. So if you uh, like my thoughts on technology, uh, you can take a look at the um, at Buratech. It's YouTube slash Buratech. And uh, you can check out the videos there. That's B-U-R-A tech. T-E-E. Yep. Right? Cool. Yep. So John's last name URA and tech, tech right at the bottom. John, thank you so much for coming on and doing this.
No problem. It was my pleasure. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you at the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.